you join me in prayer. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for all the great reversals that you've made in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I want to talk about reversals. So since I couldn't get my car in here, I brought the next best thing. Now, there's one thing that's very important about a car, and that is reverse. And reverse is so important because many times we go the wrong way. And you have to back up. Have you ever gone the wrong way down a one-way street, especially in a town where you're not familiar? I have. Pretty scary. Come down the street, and then suddenly this crazy person's coming head on at you, and then you realize, wait a minute, I'm the crazy person. I'm driving the wrong way down this way. The reversals are very important. How many points do you get for a reversal in wrestling? Two points. And that can make all the difference between winning or losing. What does that mean in wrestling when you get a reversal? The other person's in control. He's dominating. And you're able to get a move, and then you get to the position where you're in control. That can make all the difference. I know nothing about football, so I looked this up. There's a thing in football called a reversal. That's when the person runs to the sideline and then gives the ball to someone else that runs the opposite way, hoping to score some points. Hopefully that's right. That's what Google said, and Google's not. <clears throat> and last, well, not last Saturday, the 17th of December, we had one of the greatest reversals in football history. But the Vikings, if you're a Viking fan, 33 points at halftime they were down. Amazing. And still in the third quarter, according to the paper, they trailed 36-7 late in the third quarter. But they end up winning 39-36. to The only loss of any football team in that situation since 1930. They've never lost when they had a 30-point lead. The Vikings were able to overcome that. But these great reversals can change a lot of things. But what does that have to do with Christmas? 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made Christ, who had never sinned, to be an offering for our sins, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And if you think about it, that is really the greatest reversal of all time. And I shared a few years ago, and I'm going to share it again, a story, and I'm not sure it's true. It's billed as a true story, but I wasn't around in 1914. A lot of you may think I wasn't. But in 1914, we're in the midst of World War I. It just basically started. America wasn't involved yet. We didn't get involved until 1916. But in World War I, during Christmas, there was a report that the two sides, somebody, they'd had trench warfare. They dug these big trenches, big stalemate. They had all this barbed wire, no man's land, and they basically shot and threw at each other until Whoever was the last person standing was. Fortunately, not very many people standing. Many, many died. But during right before Christmas, somebody came up to the no man's land and threw something over to the other side. But it wasn't a bomb, it wasn't a grenade, it was a tin of corned beef. Then pretty soon, someone from that side got up, and they went over and they threw sweets, 
chocolate or wherever the other side. And that's reported the two sides actually crawled out of their trench, went into the no man's land, had translated jokes back and forth, cards, had games, shared their food, celebrated Christmas. Of course, when the commanders of both sides found out about this, never did do like that again. Hard to shoot. And many of these people were dead within a year or drive. But is that really what Christmas is about? Because if you ask people on the street and you listen to the Christmas specials, that's really what they tell you Christmas is about, right? Doing good things, feeling good, putting aside your differences for a moment. Is that really what Christmas is about? It's about so much more. And the daily bread that I was looking at, I put it this way. If you were to ask people about the meaning of Christmas, many would sum it up like this. Christmas is about being kind and caring, about being good and looking out for each other and set aside our differences. And, you know, that's good. That's good to do that. But it's so much more than that. It requires us to embrace what Jesus did described in Second Corinthians that he became sin for us. And I came across a story, I heard this man speak years ago. His name is Dan Bauman. And through his uh, experience, he was a Christian and in 1997 he and a friend of his were in Iran. And they were basically visiting, having a great time. They loved the country. They loved the people. They also were sharing the gospel. And when they got to the border, they weren't allowed to cross. Guards basically have a problem here with the document. So Dan and his friend were separated. Dan was taken into a room, and he was interrogated. Well, what that meant was he was beaten. Question. He basically accused him of being a spy, put him in jail. He spent the next nine weeks in jail. Now, nine weeks in jail may not sound like a lot, but he was basically, nobody would refer to his name. He was in a cell by himself. If you want to read his book, it's called Cell 58 by Dan Bauman. And every day, or virtually every day, he was summoned to go to the same area, all these blood stains on the floor, was beaten, questioned again by the guard. He got to the point where he decided he couldn't take this. Decided he would commit suicide. And he came to that point on four different occasions. But he never quite could go. Then, as he was contemplating his fate, he had a vision of Jesus. Now, he was a Christian before he went, but in a pretty dire situation. And this vision of Jesus basically just gave him encouragement and comfort that Jesus. Cared for him, he loved him. Then there was a strange thing that happened in this vision. Jesus started asking him questions. So what do you think of this man that you meet virtually every day? And it was the man, he just seemed that this man really targeted him and hated him, and he just feared and dreaded this person. But Jesus started asking him, what do you think of this he started to think about this person in a little bit different way. 
Then the vision went away. So the next time he's summoned, meet this He's inspired by this vision that he's going to take a different approach. So when he goes into the interrogation room to face his next beating, extends his hand, the guy that's been doing all these beatings, said, well, if I'm going to meet you virtually every day like this for the rest of my life, we might as well be friends. I'm Dan. And that guy's kind of taken aback and says, you know, that's impossible. But Dan just stands there with his hand extended. Finally, the guy responds. Is, he said, we can start by telling me what your name is. The guy says, my name is Rezac. Dan, I would love to be. Took his hand, and he shook it. Now, that's a very great reversal of circumstance. It didn't mean that Dan got released right away. He did get released after he was tried, convicted of espionage and sharing the gospel, both of which carried death sentences. Well, he had his trial, was sentenced to death, and then they released him. So it did have a nice, happy ending. I don't think they want him to come back to Iran. <laughs> so they have that sentence waiting for him if he ever decides to go back. But this guard was impressed. Not so much by Dan's thing, because Dan was inspired by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, to take a totally different approach to his situation, a situation he couldn't control. And as those of you who were here last night for our Christmas Eve service, you got to see the videos, and it talked about Genesis chapter 3, and how about all of us have sinned. All of us have been separated from God. And so all of us have decided to go on our way. To live on our own authority. Rick Warren, in the Purpose of Christmas booklet that he wrote, puts it this way. We want our own way instead of God's way. That's the definition of sin. Sin is our greatest problem, and it's a universal problem. What's worse, it's habit-forming. The more we do it, the easier it gets. If you ever tried to break an addiction or maintain a diet, keep a New Year's resolution, or change your life by willpower alone, you know how hard that is. We can't do it on our own. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says this. This is the New Living Translation. Don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Sounds pretty gloomy right there. But that's where the greatest reversal that's ever happened comes into play. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from that Spirit. Because God is the God of reversals. Greg Nektibitsky, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, he works with a, an organization called Grace Abounds. I happened to meet the director several years ago and still follow and support their ministry. And in their newsletter, he writes about the God of great reversals. And he shares a couple stories in the newsletter to show how God is the author of reversal, the story of Ruth. Of course, Ruth was a Moabite. And her mother-in-law, Naomi, and her husband had all immigrated to Moab when there was a famine in the land of Israel. And Naomi's husband died, Ruth's husband died, her other son dies, so everybody's gone. Ruth, the other sister-in-law who decides to stay in Moab, 
and Ruth and Naomi go back to Israel. Where Boaz, who is an ancestor of King David, takes Ruth under his wing and eventually marries her. They have a child, Obadad, becomes an ancestor, the father of David, obviously an ancestor then of Jesus Christ. So God reversed the situation of this poverty-stricken widow and her daughter-in-law. A more dramatic reversal in the Bible is the story of Esther. We don't have time to go through it, but the book of Esther is filled with reversals. This is how Greg puts it. Powerless people are rescued from evil rulers. The lowly are delivered from the wicked plans. No one in the story boasts in their own glory without being humbled. Conversely, the humble are exalted. And in chapter 8, you see the transformation. While God's not mentioned at all in the book of Esther, Psalms 34, you can see that being played out. And again, this is how Greg, the author, puts that. Psalms 34, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor soul called to the Lord and the Lord heard him, saved him out of his trouble. But the greatest reversal of all is the cross. Again, Greg puts it this way. You see in Jesus everything that is sad will become untrue. Life is not a straight line leaning from one good thing to the next and then finally to heaven. Life is a twisted, troubled road. Hairpin turn after hairpin turn. But if you look at the story of Ruth, the story of Esther, you can see that God can reverse all those situations. And God doesn't just show up after each crisis to clean it up. We can hope and trust that he's plotting the course, even as we navigate through the crisis. Then Greg gives us a question. What reversal do you need? Where in your life are you longing for a reversal? Dan Bauman, his vision of Jesus, that comfort and assurance of his presence. God was able to use him then to create a great reversal in that situation. And God can do the same thing in our lives. I want to close with just a couple lines from the song Control by 10th Avenue North. It goes, God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, you love me, and somehow that frees me to open up my hands and give you control. I give you control. And that's the first step we have to take. Because if we're going to embrace the greatest reversal that's ever happened in this entire universe through the birth of Jesus Christ, we have to give up control. We have to surrender to his control. No longer our way, but God's way. And then that great reversal, we can embrace it as part of our life, which will lead to the reversals of everything that's wrong with our life, so that we can have that life that thrives. You'll join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for the greatest reversal that we could ever imagine through the birth, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus. We just praise you in Jesus' name.